Welcome to the Deeper Into Movies podcast. My name is Stephen T. Hanley. I'm the founder and lead curator of Deeper Into Movies. We are a pop-up cinema based in London and New York. Today on the podcast, Abel Ferrara, the king of New York. Fuck yes. Was so excited and terrified to talk to him. He has a reputation of being difficult, but he was really fun. He was really chatty. I just got warned that he has a thing of during Q&A's of throwing the interviewee under the bus. So I was fully prepared to get bodied by him at any point, but it didn't happen. He just corrected me on his age, which was pretty funny. You guys already know this, but Abel is one of the greatest to ever do it. Absolutely singular director wild career so many bangers and he's never compromised he's always kept fighting big budget small budget studio stuff he's always stayed true to himself which is so inspiring and his late period output has just been incredible him and paul schrader are just going at it so fucking hard it's so great to see and i need to give a huge huge shout out Marek Stevens, my friend, he set up this podcast. He's a publicist. He started a movie night in the basement bar of Alibi, East London, showing movies on VHS every Monday night. I think he was the first person to start showing movies in bars and kind of like DIY film clubs, at least the first that I came across in London. And I took over from him when he just posted a message on Facebook saying I'm giving up the movie nights. Does anyone want to take over? Because they're cool. So I took over and that's how Deeper Into Movies started. So literally, absolutely no fucking question. No Deeper Into Movies without this guy. And no Abel Ferrara without this guy. What a dude. So much respect. And on that note, here's me. And the King of New York, Abel Ferrara. Good to see you, sir. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Thanks for showing the movie. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I dropped you and Stephen an email a few months ago saying, I haven't seen your movies in London in a, in a while. So yeah, I'm sure we're trying to fix that. Thank you. We'll do Siberia and Projectionist next, hopefully. All right, great. Thanks. Um, so I was wondering if we start on zeros and ones. I know you've wanted to make an espionage movie for a while. Did you have the script originally and adjust it for filming the pandemic, or did you build it in the pandemic? This came from the pandemic. You know, those ideas, I mean, I had certain ideas that didn't become an espionage movie. And then I guess it, it morphed into this by itself, you know. I didn't have a script and change it. I just I began, you know... Scene one, train pulls in a station, 
then, you know, went from there. And how did you come to work with Sean Price Williams? He's an amazing cinematographer. Yeah, Sean's, you know, we, we know each other. We go back, you know, I worked, I, I, you know, I know the Safety Brothers. I know all these cats from when they were young, you know. Sean used to work in the crew. Uh, you know, he, he was on a crew in uh, Chelsea on the Rocks, you know. So we know all about Sean, yeah. And this movie doesn't look like anything I've seen before. How did you land on that? That's a co- and that's a compliment. Blame him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I just love how pixelated the night vision. Yeah. Everything just looks so great. How did you land upon that aesthetic? You know, it's his style. You know, we, we you know, it's his style, our style. And now we kind of come together on, on how we really want to shoot, you know, and um, just take it to its natural limit, you know, I think, you know, it's called zeros and ones. We're talking, you know, we're talking digital. We're shooting in Rome. You know, he came here, you know, it's my neighborhood. So, you know, I know where the best locations are, you know, and he's just feeling the real light, but you know, he's lighting too. You know, it's not just, we're not just shooting doc stuff. I mean, we're shooting documentary stuff, but he's, he's lighting, you know, he's adjusting it. Don't have a lot of guys doing it with him, but he's doing it. And how big a crew did you have? Did this feel like the old school days of like guerrilla filmmaking? Kind of driller killer type shit, Miss Forty Five type shit, more driller killer. Because of the pandemic, you know, I didn't want a lot of people. But you know, we it wasn't like we're out there with me and him. You know, I mean, it was small. You know, but we, you know, we just had to protect everybody, including myself. You know. I mean, this was all pre-vax. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah, so it was scary. You know, we're testing in masks. And, you know, I just knew you can't, you know, the protocols that these guys come up with for this, you know, you could read at my fucking funeral. You dig? <laughs> you know, there was bullshit. You know, you, 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 you got to make a film. I don't know. You know, for me, it had to be about it. You know, I mean, people had to wear masks. Yeah. You know, people had to you know, socially distance as part of the, of the film. You dig, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and kept it, you know, small and, and, and shot quick. Yeah. How many days shoot was it? I don't know, 12, 13. Oh, wow. That's really short. How was it having Ethan in dual roles? Ethan brought it, you know, he really brought it. He showed a lot of heart just doing it, coming here during this. I mean, we had to basically sneak him into the country, you know, him and Sean, but I mean, we basically brought him in in the trunk of a car, you know, it was like, who knew, you know, who knew it was like, you know, it was locked down and, you know, trying to get these guys cross borders and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, it showed a lot of courage, a lot of heart, you know, everybody knows his ability. So. And how was it for you directing one actor as two characters? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a scene where, you know, it's a scene we're attacking, basically, you know, it's a scene, it's scenes we're doing. So if he's playing, it doesn't, you know, I didn't, I don't know, you know, I mean, I think because we did it in Siberia and it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. We started thinking of it as a big deal and realized it's no big deal, you know, and it works, you know, if you got the right actor. So. But, you know, I felt a little bit more confident, I'd say. Um, 
I know Sean a little bit, and we were talking when you were filming, and he, we were saying nice things about you and saying that you've managed to stay yourself for 40 years in the business. And we're talking about you and also Paul Schrader, who's just knocking it out of a park. You guys are both in your 70s. Um, it's a big question, but what's your secret for your staying power and staying true to yourself and being an auteur and making personal movies? The record, I'm 70. I'm not in my 70s. Okay, so I'll edit that. <laughs> I'm 70. Um, we're never in a business. You know, I don't think we're, you know, I mean, I, you know, staying healthy. I stopped drinking and drugging. That was a big, you know, I think that was a big help. And um, just the luck of the, you know, the genes, the right genes. And, you know, as for, you know, my desire to make films and what I get from it hasn't changed. I started when I was 16, so it really hasn't changed. So, man, that's 50, fuck, right? That's 50, 60, 60, fuck. I don't even want to think how long ago that was. You think? Yeah. But it hasn't changed ever. No matter what condition I was in or not or what drugs I was on or not or this or that, you know, it's my, you know, it's what I do on the planet. And it has, and it hasn't changed. And what I get from it hasn't changed. Only gets better, you know. Really, it really just gets better and better. Can you articulate particularly what it is that you get from it, or just the art itself of creating? I mean, and what do I get? I get a life. I get, I, I get to express myself. I get to to connect it to people. I get to, you know, get a response. I get to. You know, to feel like I, I I could make a difference, that I could that I have a tool, that I that I have a um, that I was given ability an ability that I just didn't discard, that I didn't just drop, that 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 I'm doing it for for a reason, you know. Can you remember, was there a particular movie you saw that inspired you to make movies or a, a film you saw that you thought, I could do that, that kind of made it seem possible? No, I mean, I saw Bambi. That was the first movie I saw. <laughs> I don't think I could do Bambi even now, but, you know, so that was the first movie I saw, ever saw, in a movie theater at least. Probably even on TV. I don't think they showed movies on TV when I was a kid. Are there any directors you have remained friends with over the years? Yeah. That you kind of have a connection to or kinship? Because you're a very singular director. I was wondering who you... Like, it depends where and when. You know, I mean, like I say, over 50 years, yeah, sure. Directors don't usually hang out with each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I mean, my friends are actors pretty much and crew guys, crew women, you know. I don't hang out with other directors because they're looking for, you know, for the same thing I am, you know. I was watching your King of New York Blu-ray. There's a really great 4K release that came out. And 
there was an interview on the extras where you said you got bored after a while with a cell of shooting because you thought you were trying to prove something whilst making it. Do you know what you were trying to prove or who to? When, when we were making uh, King of New York? Yeah. Boyan is from, um, you know, he went to Czech film school. He's Italian and um, from, I don't want to get the wrong, the wrong country, Bosnia probably. Okay. But anyway, he, he's from what used to be called Yugoslavia. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And half Italian and half, but he, and he went to the Czech film school. He had just, he, you know, he's had a very illustrious career, but he had just gotten here. We had just gotten, you know, I was a pretty big budget for us then. And we had like total control because it was money coming from Italy, you know, Berlusconi. And so it was a film where we had total control and we were going to, you know, match toe to toe. There was no excuses in terms of what we could do. Mm-hmm. We shot a long time. We had everything at our, you know, there was no, no excuse. We we're going to take it to the limit. And, and, and we did it, you know, style wise, wardrobe wise, actor wise, lighting wise, camera moves wise, action wise, all this kind of stuff. You know, that's what I meant. I, I didn't, I, I mean, I got bored with it. It's that once you do something stylistically one way, then you want to feel like, so like then I would make, we made a film like called Our Christmas. Yeah, Vice T. Yeah, yeah, right. Which is theoretically about drug dealing, but it's like a, a total other side of it. You know what I mean? Than what Bad Lieutenant was. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Does the sequel still interest you? I know there's always talk of you had an origin story for Frank White that you thought about making. I we were going to make it our last crew, but we didn't. So, I mean, we had the script, but it just didn't. It just it didn't happen. For a lot of interesting reasons. <laughs> right. I don't want to go into it. And the other one I keep on hearing about that sounds so fascinating is your Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, what can I say? I mean, it's like a, you know, masterpiece, right? Um, Stevenson, I, to me, I don't know. You know, he's like, he writes this, you know, the, the story was what? That um, somebody asked him, why it was so short a story. And he said, because my wife woke me up. <laughs> right? So that's the kind of, you know, movies I like, you know, ideas I like that just come out of one piece of cloth, kind of fever dream kind of thing. And it reads like that. It reads like a script. And I've never seen anybody do it. Everybody does it as like one guy, you know, werewolf style. You know what I mean? One guy turns into the other when that's not what the movie's about. You know, it's about two separate entities. You know what I'm saying? Two people, two different people. Yeah. It's kind of more father and son, very father and son. You know, that's what I would have done it as or might do it one day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you wanted like, was it Forrest Whitaker and yeah, we're gonna 50- use Forrest Whitaker 50 Cent and I was going to shoot it exactly word for word the way he wrote it. Okay. Like I yeah. say. Brilliant script written before the cinema was even invented. So the greatest script ever written was written before (laughs) (laughs) 
the birth of the movies. So go figure that. Um, when I was doing my homework, I was reading in Brad Stevens' book that you shot a couple of episodes of Miami Vice. Yeah. And that was free, like three movies into your career? Early, early, early. Yeah. yeah. How was it stepping into that world of prestige primetime TV? That's probably the big, was that the biggest budgets you were working with? And well, yeah, you don't even think about the budget then. You know, you, you know, somebody's shooting in the morning and then you just stepped in there and start shooting in the afternoon. You know, this was the very beginning of, of Vice, like maybe the fifth episode. So nobody really even knew what the show was. You understand? Yeah. Or what the hell anybody was doing, you know? So, you know, the thing about TV is they, they always use people like, you know, to, to direct, like they need 22 different directors, right? Every show needs 20. So, you know, sometimes writers, sometimes a lot of first time, a lot of guys who aren't directors get in there for a week, you know, but it's really not, it, it, it's a very tough gig. I would have never been able to do it as a first time directing thing. You know, it's not a place to learn how to direct. Definitely. For sure. You know, because it's a mile a minute. It's all high money, big pressure. You know, lots of, you know, lots of divas, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a big deal, but you know, I had done a bunch of movies, you know, before that, I forget, I did, I'd done Fear City, you know, I had done three or four, but you know, I've been shooting some 16, so I've got, you know, I was like, you know, this was, I knew what I was doing, but even then it was, you know. Were you nervous stepping into that world of all the pressure or does it not phase you? You know, I needed the money so bad that. It was like, you know, the only pressure I had was getting fired for some stupid shit. Which, <laughs> so, no, I, you know, the money was too good to overcame the pressure. <laughs> How is your New York retrospective? The one down at um, Nick's, uh, on, uh, yeah, was it a Roxy? Cinema Village. Yeah, that one. It was cool. You know, I mean, it was like going back to New York was like insane. This was right. You know, everybody had just gotten the lockdown was over. Everybody was like blasting out of the padded cell. You know, fucking town. Downtown is just like one big cloud of super expensive marijuana. You know, restaurants are out in the middle of the street. Cars are kind of was like being in the middle of road warrior. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah. Like cars going 100 miles an hour, um, all kinds of vehicles going every different way. You know, and I never seen a motorino, you know, a little, a small bikes in, in uh, you know, see motor, I mean, motorcycles, electric wheelchairs, everybody going a different direction, bicycles all over. It was, it was fucking, New York is crazy, man, when I got there. It was the summertime, too. And, you know, everybody wants to get fucked up and high, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you love your movies, you love your movies. You, you know, outside, the bar has is full of people who love your movies, and you go into the theater and there's 10 people there. Right. Okay. What? Brand new movie. Okay, here's my brand new movie. In the bar, is you know, it's like <laughs> bars are packed wall to wall. The movie theaters, you know, unless it's... You know, Spider-Man ain't nobody in him. So that's New York. How is it working with Vincent Gallo? He's a character when you were working on the funeral. Yeah, it was kind of rough. I mean, Vinny is, is like, you know, 
you know, he's, he's, he's special, you know. I knew it from the minute I met him. We worked. It was kind of rocky. I was like, you know, it was just rocky at the time. But, you know, I thought, he, you know, he's fantastic in the movie. He, I love his direction. I, you know, I really like him. I saw him not long ago, you know, kind of like straighten a few things out. He's, you know, he's special. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he's really unique. Do you? Know, I wonder, is he ever going to make anything again? Or there's talk that he makes... He's just not going to show them to anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's what he told me. He says he made three films. He says, you know how liberating it is to, to make a movie when you know no one's going to see it, right? When you're not going to show it to anybody. Yeah. How, how does that... How, how do you... Don't ask me to explain that. I mean, I mean... No, oh, no, I get it. But... I'm, this, I'm just quoting him. Yeah, no, I've heard that before, that he's, he makes movies privately just for himself, but... Yeah, I guess he doesn't have to release them, and or I don't know. The audience is the audience is such a key factor in films. It's kind of a strange concept. And I think they'll be shown one day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's um, yeah, I'm sure they're worth watching. And you're working on a movie about Padro Pia, the Saint. Yeah, we're editing it now. When the editing... oh, it's done already. We shot oh. it. Ain't done, but we shot it, you know. We said um, Shia LaBeouf is uh, Padre Pio. What drew you to making a movie about that saint? He's the saint of healing, right? Yeah, he's a complex character. You know, he was uh, he had the stigmata, you know what I mean? He performed yeah. a saint in the Catholic religion. He also comes from a town very close to where my grandfather comes from. Unborn almost at the same time as my grandfather. So it's kind of a parallel connection I have to him, spiritually and like family. Mm -hmm. And have you got something else lined up as well for the future? I better, but I'm doing a documentary on Patty Smith at the time right now. Incredible. Right. So, two more questions: Is there a movie you're most proud of from your catalog? I mean, I'm proud of everyone we finished. You know, I mean, everyone we got made. You know, it's a miracle. This one's a miracle. Zeros and ones is a miracle. So, you know. And what do you, what advice do you give filmmakers? I'm sure you get asked this all the time. What advice do you give aspiring filmmakers? Follow your vision. Just go for it. You know, don't don't. You know, there's no hesitation, man. You know, it's it's um, you know, it's a program of action. You know. It's a medium of action. You got to, you know, that's why you say action. <laughs> <laughs> and do you watch new films from new filmmakers? Do you have time? Do you keep up with things? The thing is, when you're cutting all day, the last thing you want to see is a movie. I read, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I got, you know, I got the, the schools around, you know, this is the film school downstairs, you know, I'm with these cats. I go and teach different places. You know, I see films of friends of mine. You know, then I, I'll go occasionally and judge things in crazy fucking places and see all kinds of crazy shit. You know what I mean? I'm not, I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I'm the last person to ask about, the, you know, the state of the, you know, the cinema right this second. Yeah. Ask me about 73 and I'll, I, I, I'll <laughs> tell you all about it. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to talk, man. I've loved you, loved your movies all my life. 
Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Stay safe. Thanks. Yes, same here. Abel Ferrara on the podcast. You know, we did that whole fucking podcast standing up. No chair, just laptop on the desk, him pacing back and forth. That was it. Such big boy New York energy. They don't fucking make him like that anymore. That's for sure. Also, should give a shout out to Brad Stevens. His book, Abel Ferrara, The Moral Vision. Fantastic. Highly recommend it. Get on Amazon or someplace more respectable and less evil. But get it. Great biography of Abel. Zeros and Ones is out now. Thanks to Signature Entertainment for setting this up. Thanks to Marek. Thanks to Ewan Henselwood, my engineer. Joshua Eustace, a.k.a. Telephone Tel Aviv for the beautiful music. You guys for listening. And I'll speak to you soon.